The Marine and the Hippie is a weekly conversation about current events aimed at presenting alternative viewpoints while looking for common ground. We are the Marine and the Hippie. Hey, you're listening to Marine and the Hippie. This is dialogue number 26. Is revolution morally justifiable? Before the show began, we were talking about whether or not it was actually a morally justifiable action to have a revolution to overthrow the system. And what we were what we were start, starting off with when we were talking about this was that it seems to be that we are in a system which is careening rapidly toward a new form of feudalism where a certain number of people uh, have gated communities or castled communities in the case uh, of the feudal metaphor where they just pay people to protect it and everybody else are like serfs who are, you know, hanging around outside the manor, you know, working specifically for the benefit of those people who live in the castle. And they have a right to utilize the lives and the bodies of of individuals. And at what point do we as a society stand up against that and demand a radical, uh, fundamental, and permanent change to the structure of the society where we, the majority of the people, seem to get knocked around and beat up and beat on every single day by not only, you know, cops or, you know, direct agents of oppression, but also the system itself, which trains our mind to accept that, you know, this sort of like dehumanization that we experience every single day in our job and in many of our relationships is a normal thing. Like what, at what point do we stand up and fight back? Do we have a moral obligation to stand up and fight back? Or, you know, do we have a moral obligation to just continue to support peace and order in society and uh, the result is us continuing to get beaten on? I guess the, as you were speaking, the, the one thing that really started off, it started my, my thinking is, do people know what feudalism is? Do people really understand what it means to have a king and a queen and and what it means to be a serf and to be somebody who's living outside of uh, outside of the wall and how unhuman or inhuman they become? And I, I don't think there's enough people, and we we're talking about this before the show too, who are able to think well enough to kind of see that that's where we're going, that, that, that can see that, hey, I, I see this, I, I see this technology that's being built. Like today, the UN unveiled a, an automatic um, shield to push back crowds. So some guy can sit at a, at a computer in an office and direct this thing to push back crowds. And these things are being built. These are drones. There's all sorts of technology that if you can predict, you can see, well, this is where we're going. And then the people in power, they're saying, well, we can see this too. So we're supporting this technology because, well, we're in power and we we know that we're going to live either on our super yacht or within our compound behind a wall. But our wall is going to have a golf behind that wall. There's going to be a golf course. There's going to be access to the ocean. There's going to be access to a ski mountain. We're not talking about a small piece of property. We're talking about a huge piece of property. And outside the wall, people are going to be fighting for, you know, pennies or fighting for the one piece of corn. And if we can't see this, then revolution becomes impossible. 
just to build on what you were saying with regard to the um, the serfs versus the lords and whatnot, the lords would live on the one side of the wall with the ski mountain, the access to the ocean, the super yacht. Uh, the serfs, on the other hand, uh, are not they're not exactly slaves in that they they have you know some rights to avoid being beaten like for example in the united states we have some civil rights like we have the right to free speech what does free speech mean when we're constantly being pushed back by cops who are launching tear gas and flashbangs on us you know it it doesn't really mean a whole lot when our when our rights are being constantly undermined by an oppressive state but a serf is necessarily a person that's tied to their job uh, in the actual feudal times, the serf's job was to uh, conduct agricultural activities or work on the, you know, in the town, the village as a blacksmith or something like that. They're tied to their job. They couldn't not do their job. And we can even see that in the modern society where we have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people in this country that can't afford to not work. And when the bosses want them to come back to work, the bosses can actually get the government to cut unemployment benefits to force their workers to come back to work. And this is one thing that I saw recently uh, where an individual was tired of hearing all of these employers talk about how hard it was to find workers to work at their job. And so this individual, just an ad hoc theorizing you know, situation here, put in two job applications a day with these corporations who were complaining about how hard it was to find workers. So he did this for a month. So out of 60 days, okay? So 60 days, he got 19 phone calls about his job applications. That means that 41 of those job applications went completely unanswered. He got 19 phone calls and he got exactly one interview out of the 19. And many times in the 19 phone calls, when he would ask about the company, he would find out that they lied in their job posting by saying, basically, we're guaranteeing $10 to start. Well, he would ask them about that, and they'd say, actually, it's like $8.25 an hour. And he'd say, well, you know, why did you say $10? And they say, well, we're expecting the minimum wage to go up to $10 here in a few months. And so you'll get that when, when it, the minimum wage goes up. It wasn't $10 to start. It was $8.25 to start, but they lied in their job posting. And when they found out that he knew that they were lying, they never called him back for an interview. He got one interview and he got no callbacks on the interview. And so basically his conclusion was, look, I don't have all of the data here, but I don't really need the data to show you that it's not that they want workers. It's not that they desperately need workers. It's that they want their serfs back. They want their slaves back. And they're upset, they're complaining about how they can't find their slaves because their slaves are not content to come back to work. The case for serfdom in this country, and we can get to this after the break here, is that they think that they own a certain group of workers and they have the power to compel those workers to return to work. And we will get back into that and more on this question about ethical revolution uh, when we come back from the break. This is Marine and the Hippie. Dialogue number 26, Is Revolution Morally Justifiable? Hi, this is Doc, and you're listening to Marine and the Hippie. (laughs) 
Welcome back to The Marine and the Hippie. I am Dylan. I am the Hippie. And this is Dialogue 26, Is Revolution Morally Justified? At break, Doc was talking about serfdom. And I think one of the problems that we have is that there's all sorts of like competing vocabulary words. Indentured servant, serf, slave. And in some respects, they're all the same. They're people who can't afford to live their own lives based on not having their needs met. And Doc and I agree on a, on a few things. And one of the things that we've always agreed on is, is healthcare. And if we're not doing enough for the people, then the people are being taken advantage of. And the moment that people are being taken advantage of is the moment that we move down a notch. So we're not, we become not full members or not full humans or not full participants. And that, that, that becomes a problem. And that leads us to a world in which there's not equitability. There's not equality. And that's where we're moving towards. And we're moving towards a society in a time where there is less and less equality. And that less and less equality means less and less freedoms for the majority of people. Doc spoke about freedom of speech and what what values is freedom of speech if we're not moving towards something, if we're not asking for something, if we're not if we're not using our voice to actually build upon something? And that that's that's the question. Is revolution morally justified? We're at a period of time in which it is clear as day as to where we're going. And if you can't see it, that's not the problem of the the king. <laughs> The king's like, hey, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm soon to be a real kingdom again. We're tired of playing democracy. We're tired of playing, the kings and queens are tired of playing the game. They're tired of trying to make it, make it equitable. They're over it. And we're allowing it. And that becomes, that becomes the issue in my mind. Duck. One of the reasons why we would ask that question, is it morally justifiable, is we have to understand that all revolutions involve a very, very large degree of destruction and chaos and uh, loss of life, you know, destruction of property, uh, possibly the complete and total dismantling of the system of everything that we know. And for a lot of people, you know, they would make the argument that that does more damage than it does good. And if you say that that system that does more damage than it does good you would have to necessarily argue that the revolution would be immoral uh, because of the fact that we're not out to do damage if you do more damage you're like destroying a whole city to save it uh, you know that's like the old adage from the Vietnam War where they burned the whole village down in order to keep the communists from recruiting there you can't destroy a whole village to save it that doesn't make any sense that's immoral our system basically turns human beings into commodities. Is it more damaging? Is it more destructive to wipe that system that dehumanizes people on a day-to-day basis out completely? And if we say that the human being is worth saving and the system is crushing the human being on a day-to-day basis, can we say that the revolution is indeed moral and that it is moral to uh, to have a revolution. Dylan, what do you think? Two points. Number one, my question then back at you that you can answer after um, I speak a minute is does the revolution have to be violent? Does there have to be destruction? Or is there a way to do it by just stopping the train? Is there a way of doing it by stopping the means of production? Um, 
And I guess that, that that's where my thinking goes is we are at a tipping point. That tipping point is you, you bring up the, the question is humanity worth saving? Well, if we, if we don't fix the environment, we're going to kill ourselves. I mean, that's, there's no question. That's another inevitability. It just, it just depends on how do we want to go? Do we want to go struggling or do we want to go as part of a better society or trying to leave a better legacy? So is a revolution morally justified? Absolutely. Does a revolution have to be violent? I'll let Doc answer that question. Doc. Well, the, the answer to your question is that it already is violent. The level of inequality, the destruction of the environment, the complete and total uh, you know, unwillingness to deal with the fact that you know, 200 million people don't have adequate health care in this country, and we have such dramatic income inequality in this country. And every other thing that we talk about on this show shows that the violence is already happening. Uh, you know, it, it's too late for it to be nonviolent because the violence is already being visited upon us. When we have one person that's forced to live under a bridge because they can't afford housing in their city, when they work a full time job and they're still eligible for food stamps, that's violence, man. And the idea that there's not class war yet until there's revolution is ridiculous. There already is class war. We're, we're the people who are being the targets of class war right now. The class war is being conducted against us. And so stopping the means of production would necessarily be violence because think of all the things that people are going to automatically lose when we stop the means of production. How many people will starve to death when workers stop showing up to pick up to pick food or to sell food at the grocery store? You know, that's going to be violence. People are going to die. Things are going to break and cities are going to burn because chaos is going to going to rain. And there, I don't, I don't think that there's any way to avoid it. Now, there's one side of me that says that violence doesn't necessarily have to happen. We could have it be peaceful. We could have a change of consciousness where everybody is enlightened and wakes up and realizes, oh, the, the way that our society is set up right now is really against us. You know, we all got to work together collectively to change it. But then we have the 30% of the population that's just against everything, even like getting vaccinated. And they're going to put their fucking mega hats on, get their guns and shoot us all. So I, I don't know if we can do it without violence, even if we want to, Dylan. Uh, when we come back from break, I'll... I'll ask a few questions and try to give a few answers about is revolution morally justified? Hey, this is Doc. Uh, you're listening to The Marine and the Hippie, and I am the Marine. Welcome back to The Marine and the Hippie, Dialogue 26, Is Revolution Morally Justified? I think Doc and I agree on the fact that we both think that revolution is morally justified. It's just a question of whether or not it will be violent or not. The problem with a violent revolution, in my opinion, is one thing. It opens the doors for outside aggressors to come in during that period of time. But if we need a new system, then that's what we need. And that's and and I'm all for it. But but Doc also mentioned this 30% of the population kind of being against stuff. And, and, and I keep on thinking about America as American politics, instead of being a line, and we're taught, taught that it's a line. We're taught that over here are the bleeding heart liberals and over here are the, the conservatives. And, and, at the end, and we've talked about this before, and, and, I, and I don't see it that way. 
I see a group of people on the left and a group of people on the right looking up and saying, man, we are screwed. And both wanting the same thing, but not having access to the people or to the system to change it. But those people who are looking up on either side of the triangle are also looking across at each other as though they are the enemy. We're both looking at the top and saying, man, this is wrong. Then you have this one group over here and this one group over here that are like, well, what you say is wrong and what you say is wrong. And it doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah, I'm 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 actually not referring to to that. I understand what you're saying. And there are reasonable people on both sides. I'm not saying that the right is completely, you know, lost. What I was referring to was we didn't we did a show where we talked about the GOP and the DNC and how and how the crazies are actually more like the knights. They're like they're the ones that if you're looking at a chessboard and they're stopping us from having access. So that that 30% or that that the percentage of the the wackadoodle on either side are are stopping the normal people from having access. I'm conceding that. What I'm saying is is that I'm not talking about what you call the nor- the normal people on either side. I'm talking about the group of individuals who actually gain some benefit from sowing discontent. And they actually prey upon people's fears and whatnot. It's not just party elites that do it, by the way. There are people right now probably being interviewed in Florida talking about how Donald Trump is still the, the legitimate president of the United States of America. And you know those people are not they're not reasonable. And even if you and I and and they agree that the system is so fundamentally screwed up that we need to radically reform it, however that happens, when you and I put forward a solution that says, okay, this will solve the problem, they're going to be like, I'm against that, period. And it's not me like projecting my dislike of them. It's them just being obstinate assholes because there are obstinate assholes in this country who are like no capitalism is the best thing even though i'm screwed by capitalism every single day even though my whole family is constantly beat down and kicked into the dirt all the time someday it's going to be my turn then to go kick the peasants and i'm waiting for that day i'm going to win the lottery and so i want the lottery to be there for me to win it for when it's my turn to go kick the peasants down because i've been kicked down my entire life and so when's it going to be my turn to kick the peasants down. And those are the people that are, are going to be, you know, stopping any forward movement of society. We could have a peaceful revolution. We could have a change of consciousness, but there are groups of people in the society. And I put it at about 30, 30%. I might be totally wrong, but I put it at about 30% of the population that are going to fight against it because they're assholes. Not because, you know, they're not experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing. They are. And in a lot of cases, they're experiencing it even worse. But they're just assholes who are going to fight against anything that's even reasonable just because they're dickheads. Yeah, there there is a lot of unreasonable, um, and that is the problem. And whether or not is revolution morally justified is is a different question than will revolution happen. And as as we brought up at the beginning of the show, we're moving towards feudalism. And you know, you might think that. As doctor said, your ship's going to come in. You're going to win the lottery so you can beat down some servants or beat down some slaves or beat down some serfs or what have you. But the likelihood of that happening is almost zero. You know, so is revolution morally justified? Yes. Is it going to happen? No, because too many people are, again, unreasonable. You know, maybe that number is correct. 30%. That's That seems pretty right. 
But I, it, unfortunately, I think that there's unreasonable on both sides. There's people who just want to define themselves in opposition of the other. You say, we need to go left. Well, we're going to go right. You you think we need to go right? Well, we need to go left. And, and that's how they define themselves. They don't define themselves based on policy. They don't define themselves based on on actual parts and pieces and things that that are being suggested as tools. They're saying, "Oh, you have a screwdriver. I need a hammer. That's it." And that's 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 the problem. Doc, why don't you finish us off today? A lot of times we we will try to look for solutions to the problem that we face in the society. What we're talking about on that episode, you know, we might look for a solution to healthcare. We might look for a solution to the environment, whatever the case may be. I honestly don't think we need to find a solution to the question of whether or not revolution is inevitable. I think we need to have a revolution and I'm on the record, you know, for about 30 years of my 45 years of existence, maybe more calling for, a morally justifiable revolution to fundamentally and permanently alter the current structure of our economy, of our society, you know, of the way we treat the environment, of how we do foreign policy and conduct warfare. I believe we need a fundamental and a permanent, an irreversible alteration in the way we do things. And so, you know, if this if this Marine and the Hippie episode gets me on a list well, it's probably the 80th list that I'm on because I've called for revolution that many goddamn times. Uh, and so I, I just like to put the disclaimer in here. These views are mine. They're not Dylan's. Unless Dylan wants to endorse them himself, he can do that if he wants to. Uh, but yes, we need a revolution. We don't need a solution to prevent a revolution. I think we need a revolution. I think it's long past due. And, uh, and that's my final word on it. Dylan, you got anything else before we head out? Thank you for listening to Dialogue 26, The Marine and the Hippie. I'm Dylan. I am the Hippie. Thanks. And I am Doc. I'm the Marine. Uh, if you want to check us out, we're at marinehippie.com. And we are also at The Marine and the Hippie at Twitter. And uh, you can check us out there. You can write us. And you can let us know if you're in the FBI how much trouble I'm in now because I've called for <laughs> a critical alteration of the society. Uh for Dylan, this is Doc, and I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening. A ninja broke into... A special, a special forces compound in California and attacked two special forces men, cutting them, and they ran into an office and called the police. Ninja 2, special forces 0. Yeah, $900 billion because right. two special forces guys who can't beat the shit out of a ninja and have to, who have to lock themselves in an office. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's, that's it. You are listening to Green and the Hippie. <laughs> Do it. It's done, man. It's already in my head. For more information on the Marine, follow Doc at Supernova underscore Earth on Twitter and listen to the Supernova Earth Show on Spotify. For more information on the Hippie, follow Dylan at Gezi and Me on Twitter and read his blog at observationsfromthespectrum.org.